Good morning. We are in week two this morning on our series, Generous, and uh, we want to unpack that further for us this morning. Last week, we started this series, and I trust that God has given you many opportunities throughout this week just to see where you could be generous, and just opportunities have maybe come your way where you've been able to just look and say, oh, in that area, I could be generous, or in that situation, I could be generous. And we said last week that to be generous is to do something. We don't have to do everything. Like you saw in the video, this officer did not solve all this person's problems. He didn't provide a home for him. He didn't give him meals. Uh, He didn't give him a job. He did something. And it was was being generous. To be generous is to do something. something. And we are always going to be tempted when we are generous to, when we want to be generous, is to equate whether or not the need or the situation, if it's up here and our abilities are only down here somewhere, we're going to be tempted to say, because I can't do everything, I'll do nothing. And so that's why it's very important for us to remember that being generous is to simply do something. So we said last week that generosity is measured not by how much is accomplished, but by how much was attempted. Generosity is not measured by how much was accomplished, but by how much was attempted. You see, every single one of us is in a situation where we can be generous. We are never going to find ourselves in a place where, you know, we just cannot be generous because the need is always greater, the situation is not what we can do, the opportunities are not what we want. If we will open our eyes and look around, you and I will always see areas in our lives where we can be generous. However... When it comes to generosity, we are all going to find excuses for why we can't. That's just human nature. Finances are tight. Bills are late. And our human tendencies is going to be, is going to, be to be selfish. To be selfish with what we have. To, to first think of ourselves. To first think about whether or not we have time for this. Or if we have money for this. Or if we have the gifts or whatever. Our human tendency is always going to be to be selfish, to possibly even grab hold of what we have, to cling to it really tight and say, I'm going to keep this, I'm going to keep this. And if we do that, we are not going to be able to fulfill the life that God has called us to live. God has called us, I believe, to be a generous people. Because God is generous. He's given us everything. And so this morning, we're going to take this topic, generous generous and we're going to spin it in an area that probably most of us are going to be extremely comfortable with and you just came to church today hoping the preacher preaches on this and I want to talk to us today about money. Yes. If you're like first time in church in a long time you're like oh my goodness. The Sunday I decide to come back dude's got to preach on money. Or if you brought someone here today and you're like, of all things, please don't speak about sex or money, and now you're talking about money, sex is next week. I'm kidding. Um, I'm just kidding. But how many of you have heard a preacher say something like this? God doesn't need your money. Come on. Who's heard a preacher say that? God doesn't need your money. We've all heard that. Now here's what probably happened as soon as you heard that. You nudged your wife and you said something. If you don't have a wife, just imagine for a moment you do. You nudge your spouse and you're like, you hear that? You see, put the checkbook away, honey. God don't need my money. You heard him. Now, I don't know. Maybe you don't think in a southern accent, but I think in a southern accent when I think. And so that's why I said it that way. But when when we hear someone say, God doesn't need our money, the first thing we're going to be tempted to do is say, well, there you go then. I'm not giving. Because God doesn't need 
my money. And so we, we comfort ourselves with, with that. God doesn't need my money, so therefore I don't need to give. Now, I want to lay a foundation before we begin. Because I think if we don't lay this foundation properly, you're going to hear me say this. I want you to give to the church. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. You should you know, give because of this or because of that. You're going you're gonna to hear me say, I want your money. And I don't want your money. You're going to hear me say, God wants my money. Or you're going to hear me say, God needs my money. Or you're going to hear the church needs your money. And so that's why the board has twisted this pastor's arm. And he's supposed to be up here preaching on money. If you don't put the foundation down properly, you're going to hear this entire sermon wrong. So here's the foundation. I, I mean it. We need, to, we need to plant a solid foundation to start off with. And the foundation is this. Okay, you all listening? It's not yours. No amens on that one. I don't blame you. If we start with the foundation, right there, we're going to stand on that. It's not mine. Every dollar I have, every device I have, everything I have, everything, even my children, praise the Lord, are not mine. They are ultimately God's, and I've been given They've been given to me to entrust to me so that I can raise them, but ultimately everything is God's. Amen. See, when we change that and we make that our foundation and we stand on that, suddenly everything we have looks differently. But if we don't start on that and we see everything as mine, it's going to be hard to give when it's yours. If I told you right now, hey, give me your house and you see your house as yours, well, you're not going to give it to me. But if I gave you something, and it's mine, and I go to you and say, can I have it back? You'd be like, well, yeah, it's yours. But you see, if we don't view money in that way, that it's not ours, it's going to be hard to part with it. So that's the foundation we have to start with. So to tithe, you've heard that word, to tithe is to give back, a pra- or is the practice of giving a tenth of your increase. Okay, giving a tenth of your increase. And so you could look at tithing this way. You could look at it and say, when God gives you a hundred dollars, you give God back ten. And a lot of people view tithing that way. God has given us $100, so now a tenth of 100 is easy. It's $10, so you give God back a tenth. You give him $10 back. But a different way of looking at it, and I think a way that will make more sense to us, is if we look at it like this. If God gives you $100, he lets you keep 90 So instead of seeing it as I have to give back 10 we look at it and we build a foundation saying it's all God's to begin with, and he lets me keep $90. He could say, you keep 10 give me 90 It's mine. And so I want to challenge us today as we think about money. Because I think money has often become a huge problem in a lot of people's lives. I want to challenge us today. This is your take-home. If you don't hear anything else, all sermon, just take these words home. It's not yours. 
You change your life and you adjust your life with that principle, everything I have is God's, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you're going to view things differently. But since you came here to hear me preach a full 35 minutes, I need to continue. And so I will continue preaching because I know you would be disappointed if I sent you out of here at 1121. So, no you wouldn't, I guess. Okay. Wow, I feel loved. I feel loved. Okay. So tithing. Let's talk a little bit about tithing. The first recorded tithe is in Genesis chapter 14. In Genesis chapter 14, we have King Melchizedek. Let me start that over. King Melchizedek. Don't want to say that too often. We have this king who is a king, but he's also a priest of God. Okay? So he's not just a king, he's also a priest of God. And he is meeting with Abram. Okay? And later on he becomes Abraham, but right now he's still Abram. And this is right after Abram has rescued Lot. And King Melchizedek meets with Abram and he blesses him. And then in verse 20 we read this. Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So Abram, after the king has blessed him, after the priest of God has blessed him, Abraham takes a tenth of all he has and gives it to this priest of God. In other words, he is giving a tenth of everything he has to God. Now here's an important thing to remember. This is 430 years before the Mosaic Law. See, a lot of people believe that Tithing is something that God gave to the people of Israel in the desert. Well, this tells us that tithing was known long before the Mosaic Law. So here's a quick little history of where tithing comes from. Tithing is also sometimes called the first fruit. You may have heard this, you know, you should give a first fruit of all you have. The first fruit, this is traced back all the way to Cain and Abel. We know that Abel gave God fruit he gave God his best and Cain didn't tithing was popularized during the time of Moses the Levites were a group of people from the tribe of Levi who were set aside to work in the sanctuary and their role was to carry out the system of worship for the rest of the people so these people they they were set aside from the tribe of Levi they were set aside to make sure that there was a system of worship in place for the people Why? So that the people would remember the covenants of God. So these Levites were put in place to make sure that there was a way that people would remember the covenant that God had had made with His people and that they would remember what God had done for the people. So because of this, because these Levites were set aside for this work, they were not allowed or they were not able to, well, they were not allowed to go and do normal work, which at that time would have been agricultural work. Why? Because they had to keep themselves clean. And so these people now, no longer able to work, so God says you need to give a tenth to provide for these workers so that they would be able to be, in a sense, in full-time ministry. The responsibility of the Levites was to keep alive the awareness of God, His laws, and the services demanded from the covenant. So at the very beginning, it was a way to keep the Levites in full-time ministry and provide for their needs because they were not allowed to do normal work. This is found in Numbers chapter 18, verses 21 to 32, where these instructions are given to the people of Israel. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22, the people are now instructed to give a tenth of their increase. 
which would have, at that time would have been their agricultural, from their, from their fields. You're to give a tenth of the things that you make for what purpose? In order to have a common meal to acknowledge their complete dependence on God. And so we could call this, in a sense, a ministry budget. We're going to have everybody give a tenth of what we have so that we have something with which to have a meal, to have a celebration in order for us to remember our complete and total dependence on God. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 28 and 29, there's another stipulation given. At this time, the stipulation is that at the end of every three years, a second tithe is to be taken. So this would now be a tenth of the 90 that's already been given. And this was to be given in order to help the poor. Okay, So every three years you had to give an extra tithe, you had to give a second tithe in order to provide for those who were poor and could not care for themselves. Now some scholars literally argue now that this is now 30% of your income that that the scriptures is talking about here to the Old Testament people. We're not going to go there because tenth already scares most of us enough. But here is then the reason for the tithe. The tithe is for, uh, threefold. To keep reverence and faith in the hearts of the people towards God, the provider of their wealth. Okay? To keep reverence and faith in the hearts of the people towards God and the provider of their wealth. To empower the Levites to continue their full-time devotion towards keeping worship alive within their community. And finally, to keep a budget from which the Levites could go and help the poor. See, there is a big difference between tithes and offerings. Offerings were given as sacrifices for sins and for other things. For a way of reaching out and calling on God. Jesus has now been the ultimate offering for our sins. So I want you to hear me very, very carefully. I want you to remember this. Tithing does not save you. Tithing is not something that you, if you tithe, you're going to heaven, and if you don't tithe, you're going to hell. In the Old Testament, tithing was a command under the law. So it was a requirement, but for us today, we are under the new covenant of Jesus Christ. We are saved only through Jesus and Jesus alone. So tithing is not attached to salvation. I want you to hear that. I don't want you to think, man, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not, so here's my money. Come on, God, let me in. That's not how this works. However, so even though tithing isn't directly related to our salvation, I believe that tithing is a biblical principle that will help us view our money the way God wants us to view it. I believe tithing is a biblical principle that will help us to view our money the way God wants us to view it. You see, if we never give God a tenth of what is His, if we hold on to the money that we receive from Him so tight and we're not willing to part with it, I, begin, I believe that that money will begin to control us. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> what consumes our lives is not recognizing God as our provider. What consumes our lives is wanting to know how we can provide for ourselves. And I believe one of the beautiful things of tithing, one of the beautiful benefits of tithing, is when you do so, you always recognize, God, you're the one 
who provides. Look at what the warning that Paul gives to Timothy in chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is not evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. He says, Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so tithing helps us see God as the provider for all we have. When we immediately just say in our hearts, when we receive our money, when we receive our paycheck, when we receive something, if we immediately set in our heart to say, God, I will give this back to you, I believe that you will have a hard time being controlled by money. Why? Because you don't view it as yours, you view it as his, and you are willing to give in return. Now I want to read to you a passage that is often, often used to preach on tithing. And so it would almost be wrong to do this without reading from Malachi. And you've heard this one. So I want to read this to us really quick. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 to 12. If you can't find it real quick, because I've got to move, I've got lots of material today. So Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 to 12. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. So here, if you read your Old Testament, you know that you see this. The people of Israel would repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly turn away from God. So what's God's plea here? He's saying, again, you're wandering away from me. You're leaving me. I want a relationship with you. And so what's God's plea? Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Okay, so there's the question. Okay, we acknowledge that, we've returned, that we need to return to you, but how do we do it? God answers, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. If you've ever taken something from somebody that you know was theirs, you will have a hard time having a close relationship with that person. So God's saying, you're taking stuff from me that's not yours. So then the obvious answer is, how do we rob you? And God responds, in tithe and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. In other words, you are not giving me what is mine. And I believe that North America, and maybe this is other places in the world too, but I see it so much in North America, we are under the curse of materialism. We just want more, we want more, we want more, we want more. If you've been following the news lately, you know the next gadgets are coming out. And people who bought a perfectly good working phone a year ago are going to sell it for less than they paid for it, and they're going to go buy the latest, greatest thing that's not all that much better than the last one. So we are under the curse of materialism. We're under the curse of loving money. Why? Because we view money as ours. Look at what God gives gives as a remedy for this. Bring the whole tithe into the warehouse. In other words, bring back what is fully mine that there may be food in my house. And then God says himself, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will have 
that you will not have room enough for it. So God's invitation to these people is saying, give me what's mine. Stop robbing me of what's mine. So in other words, for you and I today, because that's Old Testament, you and I, we could look at it today, make sure that your mindset is that everything that I have is God's and that it is used for the glory of God and not for ourselves. Now there are going to be Two, at least two ways that all of us here are going to listen to this sermon and, uh, and two ways that people often view why they should give when, when we say something like this. The first view is this. The reason why I think I should give is I've got to give. Okay, so we have this view, I've got to give. And so some of you right now are sitting here going, oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to give. And, and it's just this guilt tripping into doing it. So you have this idea that if you don't give, God's going to somehow smite you dead. That if you don't give, that God is going to run out of money. If you don't give, the church is going to run out of money. I don't want to sound arrogant here, but if this is the church of Jesus Christ, and he is the head of the church, we're not going to run out of money. That the ministries that God leads us to do, we will have enough So we are not preaching on tithing because we've got to give because if we don't give, God's not going to be able to accomplish what he is desired to accomplish. God will always accomplish what he plans on. We will never outgive God. Never. So some of us, we have this view, well, I've got to give because if I don't, missionaries aren't going to be fed and those kind of things. And so we don't give because we believe it's God's money to begin with. We give because, well, it's mine, and oh, okay, fine, I've got to give you some. Kind of like when you ask kids to share. No, there you go. You know? And, And so we do it grudgingly. Why? Because I've got to. You see, God does not need what we have. We need what he has. God's plan, the church, We are his plan. We'll never be in ruins if God's people don't give. But if we do not handle our money the way God wants us to give, I believe that we may end up in ruins. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 9, verse 6 says this. Remember this. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So here's your verse for you, okay? If you are like, man, maybe I should start tithing. Maybe I should start giving. Here's your verse for you. Every man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. There's no numbers attached, okay? Every man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And when we start with this basis, this foundation saying, my money isn't mine, this will be far easier to do. Another reason people sometimes feel that they have to give, or another reason people give, is they give to get. You've heard this. Some people buy into this idea that if they give, God will give back. So if I give a lot of money, God's going to give me a house. If I give a lot of money, God's going to provide 
for my financial needs. They see giving as a stock exchange and God being a great investment. And so it's my money, I better invest it well, and God sounds like a good investment, so I'll invest in God and then I'll get lots in return. So I give to get more. And really at the bottom end of the day, the bottom of all of it, is money is still viewed as mine. So I get I give to get so that I will get something great in return. And you've heard these preachers, and they'll tell you something like this. Son, sow a seed. I, I, can I just pastoral advice here? When you hear a preacher say, sow a seed, turn them off. I just watched a guy this week. $48, sow a seed, and watch what God will do. Okay, I'm in, I'm in now. 48 bucks. I felt like getting my, but I knew my wife would have my head if I did. So this guy kept preaching. In the end, it was sow a seed. If you really have faith that God will do something, sow a seed, but now the amount went up. Now it was $1,000. So for those of you who have a lot of faith, $1,000. For those of you that have a little faith, $48. And we have this idea that if we sow a seed, we somehow bend the arm of God and say, there you go, God, I put $1,000 in, you'd better give me something in return. And we view our money as ours and not as God's. Go through your, te- your Bible. Find me a place. In Malachi, people, that's the one they use. Test me in this. So if I give, God's going to have to give back. So instead of a give to get attitude, we should have the approach that I get to give. God has blessed me with something, and so now I get to give in return. And one of the most beautiful examples of get to give is found in Mark chapter 12. It's the story of the widow. Jesus, Mark chapter 12, verses 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offering was put in and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now tell me if that doesn't sound just a little freaky. Here Jesus lines himself up in perfect view of all the, you know, the places where all the money is going to be. And he lines himself up and he literally sits himself down to make sure he has a really good view of where all the money is being put. And he's sitting there watching people give money. Now imagine if I would have done that when we came up here this morning. All right, pass the offering bag around. All right, how's it going there? How's it going there? That's a little bit what Jesus is doing. Okay, we're on the fifth row now. Oh, man. Okay. <clears throat> you know, and, you know, and just that's a little bit the picture we get. Jesus sitting there going, hmm, let's just see how much everybody gives. And you see these people bringing their money. Okay, listen to this. Many rich people threw in large amounts of money. So you can just hear, boom, big bag full, boom, big bag full, boom, big bag full of money. And Jesus is sitting there watching. Good man, good man. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was doing. He's just sitting there watching. A little freaky, okay? Now, verse, the next verse, verse 42. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. And Jesus is sitting there watching. Huge amounts of money. Two tiny copper coins worth nothing. And Jesus is sitting there watching. Now, if you think that's weird, just look at the next part. Calling his disciples to him. 
So his boys are all there with him. And there's 13 of them there are going, hmm, hmm. They're probably wondering, why are we here? And Jesus is like, hey, hey, just, just watch this. Now, I'm, I'm guessing Jesus knew there's going to be a lesson here today. And this lady comes along and gives him the perfect lesson. Look at what he says. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. You see, this is where most Christians stop reading. And I've heard Christians say this. You see, that woman who put in almost nothing, Jesus said she put in more than everybody else. So it's not how much I give that matters. But let's read the rest of it. They all gave, they the wealthy, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Generous. She got it. I get to give. I don't have to give. I'm not giving so I'll get something else in return. I get to give. When we don't see God as the one who owes all we have, when we don't see him as the one who already everything belongs to, we're going to have this idea that, oh man, I've got to give something. Or, okay, I'll give, so hopefully I'll get something in return. But when we view God as the one who's given us everything, we will view our money as, okay, so now I get to give back what God has blessed me with. Now, I want to just say this. I don't know how this works. I don't know how tithing works. I don't understand what's all in, you know, what all happens. But I just know that it works. Now, am I saying here that if you tithe, you're going to suddenly receive all kinds of coin? No. There's no guarantee you're going to see it in return in money. But I just know it works. God blesses a giver. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know what the, what the outline is that God has that says, okay, this I'm going to bless. But I just know that in our lives, Marie and I, we made a commitment when we got married that we were going to tithe regularly. And sometimes we had very little to give, and so it was hard to do. But we have tithed regularly, and we could tell you story after story of where God came through. And sometimes it was just simply this piece of knowing that we were doing what he wanted us to do. And then there's been those freaky stories where money showed up that I didn't think it was going to show up and that we hadn't seen. The key thing is that we view our money as God's. And like I said before, you and I, we will never outgive God. I need two volunteers real quick. We're running late on time here. I need two volunteers, Jordan and you. Come on, you. I just call you you because you're my brother. Come on up, quick, 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 quick. Come on, that's not quick. That's like, my grandma walks faster than that. All right. That's right. All right, you're going to stand here. You're going to stand here. Some of you have seen this illustration before, so um, bear with me if you have. But I want us to just visualize this a little bit. So the guy who did this illustration originally that I saw, he had $1,000, but I'm just a poor preacher, so I have $100. Okay? That's all I got. So I want Jordan here. He's going to represent you and I. Okay? Jordan is you and I, and Jake is the banker. Okay? So Jordan has $100. Good for you, Jordan. 
And so what he, do, he has with the banker, he has what's called a fiduciary trust. Okay? So what that means is that when he gives the banker money, when you and I give our banker money, it is given with the intent that he will look after it for us for our benefit. And that's key. For our benefit. We don't give our bankers money to say, squander it however you want. As a matter of fact, we shop around to make sure we get the best interest rates and all that, don't we? Yes, we do. And so, Jordan, you're going to give the banker $100. Whew. It's hard to do, eh? So here's, here's, how, here's how this goes now. So Jordan one day decides, man, I need some chocolate milk. You like drink chocolate milk? You do today. Good. Um, he drinks chocolate milk, and he's like, I need some chocolate milk. And so he goes back to Jake the banker, and he says, Jake, I need my money. I need to buy some chocolate milk. It's expensive chocolate milk, $100, $100 chocolate milk, all right? This is the good stuff at Max. And so he goes back, and he says, I need my money back because I need to buy some chocolate milk. And so now the banker, Jake, says, ooh, you know, I'm really sorry you came in, but um, you see, I needed the latest video game, and I needed to buy myself some snacks and some chocolate milk, and so I've spent all the money. Okay, fiduciary trust that says you will keep my money for my benefit. Now tell me, what would you do if that was your banker? Some of you would probably need to pray some prayers of repentance after that. You know, you would probably say some things to the banker that you shouldn't say. And so you would have every right to be angry. Why? Because it's my money, you're just holding it. Right? So let's look at this a little bit different. So instead of Jordan representing you and I, you nervous about me touching your story? Um, instead of Jordan representing you and I and, and Jake representing the banker, Jordan's going to represent God and Jake's going to represent you and I. Okay? So God, we could say, has a fiduciary trust with you and I. I will give you some money and you will handle it for my benefit. And then when God comes back and says, hey, I'd like some of that back, would we go to our own banker? How are you handling the money God has given you? I'll take that back. Thank you very much. You guys can have a seat. Okay. Thanks, guys. I want... I want to wrap up this way. I just want to tell you, I, I had not planned on preaching on tithing. And you can ask the staff. Over a week ago, I sat with them in Willie's office, and I said, here's how we're going to unpack next. I'm going to talk about this woman. We're going to have these two buckets, and we're going to talk about insecurities. Could you imagine this woman being insecure? All these money dropping, great amount of money, and she walks in with this little bit, and that's what I was going to preach on. We're going to have these two pails, and we're going to dump a bunch of change into the one, and the other one we're going to drop a couple of little coins in. It's going to be a great sermon. I'll preach it sometime. But I just felt God saying, I want you to talk about tithing. Because I wonder if for some reason, I have no idea why, and I don't, you guys know me well enough. I've been here 15 years. I don't play this God card often. But I felt God saying, I want you to talk about tithing. Because I wonder if there are some of you here today, you're captive to your money. And you do not see your money as God's. So I want to share another little God story that I had. It happened last night, yesterday afternoon. 
And I'll, I'll take notes and never do this again. I was washing floors the day, night, be, evening before I'm preaching. Okay, so never again will I, I sweep floors because wash floors because God, in my room, I'm washing the floor, and I just felt God very heavily come on me and say, "Challenge the people." And so here's the challenge I felt God saying: Test me in this. If you have never tithed, and if you don't regularly tithe. I want to challenge you to say, okay, I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm not doing it because I hope to get something back. I'm going to do it so that I will never forget that all I have is God's. And I wonder if we would release ourselves to say, God, from this day on, I will faithfully give back to you. If all of a sudden you will find God saying, okay, here is something. I don't know how it works. I just know it works. So that's my challenge. That's our challenge. That's, that's, you know, the band can come up. But I want to just pray for us. Because this money thing is always a touchy topic. And thank you for not throwing anything. You know, you've been a good audience. You've laughed. And you've been nervous laughter. I've heard that, you know. But I really want us to ask ourselves this question. Whose money is it? Are you a good banker for God? Let's pray. Father God, you know my heart, and you know how much I've struggled with prepping for this. And Father God, you know that right now the last thing that I desire is that someone here would be guilt-tripped. So Father, if somehow I've come across as guilt-tripping people to give, that was not the intention. My prayer, Jesus, is that we would today be a generous people. We would open our hands to you to say you fill them and we will give. You fill them and we will give. We will not hold tight what is not ours. We will release to you so that you can accomplish more than we could ever imagine. Jesus, this will be hard because if these people are like me, I love my money. And I want to see it as mine. I want to see it as mine. It's so difficult to always see it as yours. Do a work in us, God. Do a work in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.